1: The most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom, to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report oh, with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Thank you very much and hello again everybody and welcome to another edition of some Slobber Knocker Audio. Glad that you're with us. Thank you very much for uh, subscribing to our program on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or wherever you may get your uh, podcasts and don't forget folks, we appreciate so much those five-star ratings that you leave for us each and every week. The number is growing, and uh, we'll have more on that and some of your uh, submissions, if you will, a little bit later in the broadcast. Great show. i want to make it great for you because I feel good. A lot of great things to talk about. Never been a better time to be a wrestling fan. And I've got the man, the 83-week straight man, uh, good old Eric Bischoff is with us this week. I'm looking forward to this uh, a lot. He's got a hot podcast, 83 weeks, right here on the Westwood One, the mighty Westwood One, and we'll talk to him about that, Uh, his all-in experience coming up in, in Chicago September 1st, and much more. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this show on the road. As old John Wayne would say, by God, we're burning daylight. And here's what's on my mind. Of course, the big news on here's what's on my mind involves television rights fees to make this short and sweet uh wwe tv rights uh is a bonanza the fox deal is a billion dollars folks over five years on friday nights on big fox so it has got an amazing clearance the home of the nfl the home of thursday night football as well and can you imagine the promotion that the wwe and the smackdown superstars will receive on thursday night football On Fox talking about tomorrow night. I don't have this confirmed, but I would very much bet money that uh, the Friday night show will be live. Uh, As much money as Fox paid for this premium uh, television broadcast that is first run 52 weeks a year is to go live. That's how you monetize it, at least in my opinion. And people will tune in, I think, more readily if it's live. So how it's done, how the live show of money for Raw that's staying on USA, uh, apparently for more big money, another bill probably. Uh, and uh, and this whole scenario would seem to me that the, the production schedule could very easily be blown up next year to accommodate a live Friday night show and a live Monday night show. And let's face it, folks, the WWE is not a uh, a wrestling promotion per se. They're a television production house. And their product they primarily promote is wrestling. So I think it's a great thing for them. The It's a it's tremendous for the investors. And for those of us that have stock, Hey, I'm really happy. I got some $22 stock cause it's trading for over 50 bucks right now. Uh, very happy about that. So thank you, Vince. Uh, and, uh, this is going to start in October, 2019, as I said, on big Fox Friday nights, I believe it will be live five years, a billion dollars and change. Wow. And the Thursday night football promotion going to be great for WWE and SmackDown. So if you're on SmackDown, you're going to be in a primetime slot on a, on on Big Fox, not FS1 or FS2, but Fox. And I think it's absolutely awesome. Then you hear in the same week that ESPN has acquired the rights to all of the USC across the ESPN's various platforms. And quite frankly, they can, they can kind of regenerate themselves together. USC is in need of developing more stars that sell to box office. They're a little bit short on that right now, in my opinion. And I'm, I am a USC and an MMA fan. Uh, and ESPN trying to get themselves uh, back focused, back hot. And they're not hot right now either. So maybe together the synergy is going to uh, create something very unique and very good for uh, both entities, I think that's good for everybody. So uh, TV rights fees, a big deal, and uh, certainly, I I'll tell you how big a deal it is. President Obama and his wife, they're in the content business, and they designed a 10-figure deal. That's uh, uh, oh, eight-figure, eight figures. So that means it's 10 million or more, right, uh, for the Obamas on Netflix. Content is king. Vince McMahon told me that since day one, content is king. And the way you make wrestling work on TV, you got to have talent and television. Well, here's the thing. The television is, is in place now. It's amazing. And the damn covers are not bare talent wise in WWE either. So the rights fees, a big deal, no doubt about that. And, uh, congratulations to everybody at WWE. And I think, uh, great times are ahead. Now, if you want to, there's a big money there. So if you're a talent, what are you doing differently to make your game better so that you don't get left behind in the main event, uh, lottery. That's what I'm wondering. Uh, also on my mind today is, oh, by the way, for those of you that may, uh, be attending WrestleMania next year, I think we've already got our, uh, location. And as soon as it's finalized, I will let you know for, our, uh, our stage shows, uh, maybe a Jr and a King show. Uh, maybe uh, another uh, lab book signing. I don't know what it's going to be. We're gonna, But we think we've got a great venue uh, in the Times Square area. More on that soon. Uh, some thoughts on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Raw, I thought, the women's positioning on Raw was excellent. I thought the star of the show arguably was the best villain on the roster in Stephanie McMahon. She really uh, navigated the... Contract signing between uh, Nia Jack and Ronda Rousey expertly. Thought it was very, very well done. Uh, so, what the, the ladies in general on the show got great product placement. Quite frankly, I mentioned that Stephanie McMahon being the best villain. I don't know. There's even a question about it. She's a chip off the old block. The the way that the Attitude Era was was magical. Is that we had a magical lead babyface who everybody believed in. And he was different than any of his predecessors in Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was matched up with, arguably, in my opinion, the best heel of the Attitude Era, meaning Mr. McMahon. This is my take on it. I like the advancement, continued advancement of Braun Strowman. He's not being force-fed me. Uh, I think he's going to be the next big thing in 2019. I wouldn't do it before then. I don't think he's quite ready for it. But, man, you can see him getting better and better and better every week Uh, Braun Strowman is, in my opinion, uh, the future uh, lead mule in the WWE. Another guy that has got my attention, and I don't think I'm the only one that he's turned heads uh, by, is Drew McIntyre. He looks great. He sounds great. He's in great condition. Uh, He's he's just getting better and better. He's a big-time player. I can see very easily. Uh, Drew McIntyre being a universal or WWE champion somewhere down the road, without a doubt. It's, it's a layup. Trust me on this one. You know, I was thinking about this uh, Monday night watching Stephanie and Rousey and Nia. And, and, uh, it reminded me of Vince and Stone Cold. And so if that happens to be the scenario where it's Stephanie positioned herself as an adversary to Ronda Rousey, hey, I'm in, I'm watching. So, And I still think the Rousey, uh, Nia, Jack, Nia Jack match Batch at uh, Money in the Bank uh, is going to be a good booking. I'll tell you more about that next week, too. Uh, SmackDown Live was a better show, in my opinion, than Raw. Uh, I, I love the potential uh, of uh, uh, Miss Vega and uh, Andre Almas. Very, they are, they're head turners. They're big attractions. They could be main eventers, no doubt about it. I like the last man standing stipulation between AJ and Nakamura. If Nakamura wins by hook or crook, hey, it's like last man standing, right? Anything goes. Then there's uh, always that real uh, viable reason for a return match uh, between AJ and Nakamura, even though AJ swears he's leaving uh, money in the bank as the champ. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that. He's baby faces, heroes should never say they're going to win if they're not going to win. I like Naomi's work on uh, SmackDown. She's a big-time athlete, big-time player. Uh, her time is coming, no doubt about that. I love the match between uh, Jeff Hardy and Daniel Bryant. I thought the finish was great. Uh, I love their interaction. Uh, it was a new match. It was fresh. And uh, they continue to build Daniel Bryant. I think that's, it was the right call. And Jeff Hardy can be heated up in the a, in a snap of a finger and the, and the, and the uh, proper use of the pencil, shall we say. So, again, I thought SmackDown was better than Raw this week. That's just my two cents. Both shows are okay. But SmackDown, I thought, was a little bit better. Uh, What else is on my mind, ladies and gentlemen? Let's see here. Oh, I see where Enzo Amore's uh, cleared his legal issues in Phoenix. I'm glad to hear that. I've always liked this kid. He's always been polite to me and pleasant. Uh, Here's what i tell my advice to him. Don't give any company any reason to not want to do business with you. And that advice goes to anybody in any walk of life. Don't give your company that you work for that's paying you any reason to not want to do business with you. So I think uh, uh, Enzo has uh, charisma. He's athletic. He's got a unique personality. Steer the course, young man. Just stay out of, of harm's way, shall we say, in the controversy st- st- uh, uh, standpoint. I see that the... Uh, VIP packages are selling great for the uh, four-day StarCast event. Can you imagine how many drunk people are going to be in Chicago for four days in the same hotel? These son of a guns are going to be partying like like 1999 or something like that. Uh, so in any event, uh, check that out. We'll talk more about that with uh, uh, Eric Bischoff coming up here in the program in just a few minutes. Conrad Thompson. Connie! Oh, my God. His cheeks. I'd love to see his cheeks up close. I know you're talking about his cheeks on his face, right? Of course. Never mind. I veered off the course there, folks. Just a second. Uh, Our uh, tour of the U.K. and Ireland, doing great. Remember, Monday, June 25, Glasgow. Tuesday, June 26, uh, Newcastle. It's going to be really great. Uh, Wednesday, the 27th of uh, June in Birmingham at the Glee Friday, June 29th in Limerick, Ireland, uh, at the, uh, at Dolan's. And then on Saturday, June 30th, the last show of the tour will be in, uh, uh, Galway, at, at the, uh, Royson Dubla. How the hell, how did I say that? Anyway, in Galloway. Here's the thing. Aside from all my mis- mispronunciations and I am sober and I am, Fine of sound mind and body, so to speak. Check out uk. That's where you get all your info and tickets. uk and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, my man Kenny McIntosh and his great staff. And I, uh, they treat me like family, and I love that. Don't forget, folks, this weekend, big weekend for me. I'm going to be in West Virginia at the uh, Appalachian. Power Park in Charleston, home of the West Virginia Power, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Legends Wrestling Night with yours truly, presented by Mix 100.9 and the Jock Thirteen Hundred and Thirteen Forty and 1340 AM. Uh, big giveaways, uh, autographs, photo ops, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and come out and join us and have a hot dog and let's watch a little baseball. So I'm looking forward to this. It's this weekend, this Saturday night. Uh, and so... If you want more info, you can, uh, check out wvpower.com wvpower.com. And, uh, so I'll see you guys in Charleston on Saturday night. And I'm looking forward to that. We're, we're still, uh, putting more shows together for the Jr and the King road, road show. The one in, uh, Thursday, August the 16th is in Nashville at Zanies, And then the very next week on the 23rd on Thursday night, we're up in Rosemont. At Zanies in uh, Chicagoland, and tickets are on sale. They're limited, and they're going fast. Just trying to, just saying, uh, at uh, zanies.com. Pretty easy, z-a-n-i-e-s.com. Hope you can join us uh, in, for one of those shows and others that are coming your way. So again, this weekend, Saturday is a big night, night for me uh, in uh, in uh, Charleston. I wonder if I should wear a cup. I got to think about that. Maybe you can follow me on Twitter at JRSBBQ. Let me know. Cup or no cup in Charleston. And that is what's on my mind. No, Lord, oh, oh, I recently had an opportunity to catch up with my friend Eric Bischoff, who's a member of the Westwood One family here, SMI, and very proudly so. He has a podcast here called 83 Weeks. He does it with Connie Conrad. Uh, Conrad's becoming Mr. Wrestling. He doesn't need a mask because he couldn't disguise those cheeks, but he's a very smart guy and he's uh, doing some great things in the podcasting world, and specifically with 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff here on Westwood One. So uh, let's go to that conversation now. We talked about a lot of things, uh, a lot of things around the September 1st All-In event that Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, and a cast of hundreds are putting on, and I'm proud of those kids for selling out that show in under 30 minutes, 10,000 seats pretty damn good, I'm telling you. Really good. So, uh, a lot of ground to cover with the former head of WCW former general manager of Monday Night Raw, Eric Bischoff.
0: Eric, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well, JR. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Uh, I hear you you tell me before you start recording, you're in Minnesota. No stranger to that uh, part of the country, are you? Not at all. It's
0: been about (laughs) 20, 25 years of my life here, so it's uh, just like coming home.
1: Tell me, uh, I got uh, I got Conrad's rendition of what eighty three weeks is all about. Okay, but I I don't know if it, it coincides with your interpretation of the show. I actually enjoy it. I like the I like the uh, the debate. I like the back and forth. I think it's when it's done intelligently, and this is it's very entertaining in today's uh, somewhat defiant society. He says it's the first time that Eric Bischoff has been grilled about the decision-making in WCW during his tenure. Is, is that the basic premise?
0: Well, I think the basic premise of the show, you know, we named the show 83 Weeks
1: uh, because,
0: well, for different reasons. Obviously, the 83 Weeks represents the, the consecutive weeks that Nitro and, and WCW outperformed the WWF slash E. Mm-hmm. But that's not really, uh, for me at least, what the show is all about. The premise of the show are is some of the decisions that were made that, to this day, still impact the product as we see it and, and what those 83 weeks represented with regard to the history of, of our business and the evolution of our business. So we, we touch on a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> obviously, a lot of the... Political things, you know, with talent and negotiations and some of the the things that you would expect, the topical things. But we do try to talk about the business of the wrestling business a little bit more than most podcasts do. But you know, we get into a lot of it. As far as getting grilled, you know, I've been criticized a lot <laughs> over what 20, twenty years or so, as you know. Uh, but very few people a <clears throat> have a, have a point of reference to really engage in a, an intelligent debate because most people rely on what they've heard second, third, fourth hand, or what they've read in a dirt sheet or online or whatever. Um, and Conrad, to his credit, does a, a significant amount of research when he lays out his line of questioning. I, I liken it to Jerry McDivitt in the WWE getting ready for wow. a deposition. <laughs> wow, it sometimes that's strong. It, feels like that. it sometimes feels like that. You know, Conrad's very thorough, and he's determined. You know, he, he comes at you from one angle and if he doesn't feel like you're being a hundred percent honest or accurate or you're evasive, he'll come at you from two or three or four different angles until he gets you to talk about what he wants you to talk about. And in that respect,
1: nobody's ever done that. It sounds like he's playing the uh, Southern Hill lawyer character. <laughs> well, you he's know, he's pretty smooth. He's, he's, a, he's a very, he's a wordsmith.
0: He's good. He is good and he's smart and he's fast on his feet and he, he, you know, he's got a pretty good bullshit meter and there are time, there are times, you know, when, and look, he's asked me some questions I didn't want to answer, not because I couldn't or, or, or any other reason really, but he, you know, he can sense when you're trying to dance around a subject or dance around, you know, an answer. And like I said, he's, you know, he just won't let go. He just keeps digging and digging and digging. So it's, it's intense. It's it's confrontational without being disrespectful. I think
1: is the best way to say it. But it's it's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's working. You know, uh, you you, uh, you came out of the box, uh, number one, as did this show, uh, which I was very proud of, and thank the audience for making that happen. But uh, it's a to me, it's a uh, working with Westwood One is a fresh approach. They got great energy. They have great priority. They have the cumulus radio back stations to, to back them up for things. You know, I'm going to Lawler and I are doing a couple of one man shows August the 16th, I think it is, uh, in Nashville, and August 23rd in Chicago. And we're partnering with the cumulus stations in those two markets. It's a hell of a deal for guys like you and I that, that do go out and do the occasional show signings. Q and A, whatever the hell it may be, uh, the eighty three weeks to play just to go on the road is it's going to play on on the on on audio?
0: Yeah, it should be fun. I know we're talking about. Obviously, we've got the the all in event and the StarCast event, which you know we're all going to be a part of, and I'm really looking forward to that for so many reasons. You know, I can't say enough great things about Cody Rhodes and you know everybody involved that put that together because it it says a lot about the opportunity for independent promoters and independent wrestlers to enjoy the product in a way that's a little bit different than what we typically see out of WWE. Not that one's better or one's worse, but it's different. And I think that that diversity is what makes our business in the history of it. That diversity is what made it interesting. I'm, I'm excited Good. just to be a small part of it.
1: The diversity coming from uh, different philosophies from the promoters in the different territories, different regions of the country had different values and different styles. And it's just a, uh, was really, and you he, he heard the guys talk about that. When I was in 74 and I got in, you know, you'd ride with some older guys. They'd tell you, well, he works that Japanese style. Or he works the uh, such and such style. Or you know, the New York, they work a little different than we do down here type thing. Hell, I didn't know what they were talking about because I didn't know come here from the at that time. And maybe still are working on that aspect. But it, there, that's what it is. I, I'm with you on that deal. I, I like the diversity. And here's the other thing I like. I like the fact that people like you and me that are lifers in the wrestling business to some degree. Uh, have a place to work it gives others the opportunity to feed their families i think that's kind of important
0: it is important and it's important as you say you know for us lifers people that have dedicated the majority of their adult lives if not all of it to this industry you know once your role your prominent role whether it was in wwe or wcw in my case uh, once once that goes away, because it always does, whether you're head coach of a football team or you know an actor in a in Hollywood or whatever, at some point your career kind of phases down. And for us to have the ability to still connect with the audience and and still engage with people who do remember and respect and enjoyed, you know the the eras that we respectively were prominent in. It's, it's not only a great way to make a buck, which is always always a great thing, but sure. it's also very rewarding on a personal basis. That's what I like about it.
1: I look at it like uh, I'm controlling my own destiny. I'm building my own thing, especially this, with this show here. Uh, and I surround myself with some really good people that keep me focused and, and moving along. But I feel, I feel a little, when I get through the show, to taping the show, that you and I are on, I want to feel good driving home. I, I accomplished something, that I, I created a little something, I created some content. And that's, you and I are content. We're, 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 we are we are we are we are could not even get, an intervention can for that deal. We're, we, we're stuck in creating content of some kind. At least that's my take.
0: Well, it is, you know, and years ago, back when I was still with WCW, <clears throat> probably right after I first was made president or executive vice president, whatever it was, some somewhere in that evolution, I read a book, and I don't remember the name of the author, but the book was called The Entertainment Economy. And I'll probably go back and try to find that book again soon because as, as the world has evolved, <clears throat> the entertainment world, and the means by which we all devour or access our, our entertainment and our content, uh, has, has morphed and changed. And it has so much, so dramatically in the last couple of years. <clears throat> it all comes down to something that I, Took away from that book, which is content is always going to be king. The, The means by which it's distributed and accessed by the consumer will always change with technology and trends and different things. But at the end of it all, your ability to create content is king. And I think what you do, what I'm trying to do, what other people do by creating interesting, entertaining content will always kind of put us in a position to, to a degree or another, control our destinies. And it's, it's a very empowering feeling to be sure.
1: You're right. Uh, you're exactly right. And well, well put, uh, this, uh, it's interesting. I was listening to, uh, the guys on busted open radio, Dave Breck and his, you know, Bubba Dudley's there and Mark Henry, uh, uh sitting in with him, uh, on serious. I, I enjoy the show more often than not. When I, when I can get a chance, when I'm there able to listen to it, uh, really fun show about wrestling, all kinds of wrestling. And it's just funny that some people, and I don't understand this, Eric, and I'm, and I'm asking you for a clarification. You're much smarter dude than me. What the hell could anybody, a wrestling fan, what, what realistically could any legit wrestling fan have to say negatively about this September 1st event? I don't get it.
0: Well, as, you know, I think we both learned over the decades that we've been in, in the industry and I'll speak for myself. One of the things that that I look back on at the different stages of my career, going back to when I first started in 1987 with Vernagania, all the way up until, you know, my last day as a kind of a full-time um, employee or person in the wrestling business. The one thing that you always hear, and I've said it myself, so I'm not throwing stones, you know is, you know, back when, you know, we used to do this, that's when wrestling was the best. Or back, you know, way back when, I remember when wrestling was really good. And I hear that all the time at autograph sessions. You know, people come up to you, depending on their age, of course, and where they lived, they reflect back to the period of time that they thought was the best period of time in professional wrestling. And I, you know, as politely and engagingly as I can, say, you know what, that's probably true for you. But, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're in your 20s, you know, a certain style of wrestling or a certain character in wrestling probably had a much bigger impact on you at that particular stage in your life than it would have when you were 15 or it did when you were 25. And the, one of the things that I think happens is wrestling fans, as you know, Jim, are incredibly passionate, mm-hmm. almost to the point of being obsessive-compulsive in some cases. They're really hardcore, you know, 20 or 25 percent of the audience base, just like NASCAR fans are, just like Major League Baseball fans are. And they're always going to find something that doesn't make them happy, but that's part of what makes them engage in their own community. They like to debate what should be or what shouldn't be, or what would have been better if it would have been different. That's just part of it. And I finally, after you know thirty years of this you know business, been able to just kind of listen to people talk, whether they're criticizing me or you or Vince McMahon or whoever. Um, realize that, you know, that's just them being passionate, you know, it's, it's all it is. So I'm sure there are people who are talking about this, you know, all in events and, and star cast, and they probably have some points of view that are different than yours or mine. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's, I just think it's freaking awesome. That's what I think.
1: Oh, I do too. I, I wholeheartedly do. Uh, I think that maybe one way of looking at it more uh, help in a more healthy manner, maybe Eric is to say, that many wrestling fans are so passionate that they will always have a dog in the hunt because they care. So therefore, if that is somewhat true, uh, that means they're always going to have something to say, and it's not always going to be good. But that's, I think you're right. I think it's the derivative of a phenomenal passion that sometimes can get almost to the borderline of too much. Too much. And look,
0: social media is what it is. It and it's. I, I love it. I engage in it a lot. I think it's a, a powerful part of our culture now. But you know, you, it, the dark side of that is so many people, you know, say things in, in social media that is intended to do nothing other than you know create controversy or or stimulate you know further dialogue or to get attention one way or the other. And some people say some pretty stupid stuff that's really just designed to get a reaction. And I want to call them trolls, but there are those two. But it's all part of it, man. It's all, I think it's all great. You know, I, I dig it. I, I, I enjoy reading the critiques or criticisms or sometimes worse of some of the things that I do and say. You know, when, the, when my fan base on Twitter or wherever <laughs> else posts shit. Yeah. I get as much of a kick out of that as I do somebody putting me over. As long as you're, look, Vern told me a long, long time ago, it doesn't matter whether they love you or hate you kid, as long as they feel strongly one way or the other. That's, That's right. kind of the way I look at it. <laughs>
1: you can't, you can't be Geneva, I, as in Switzerland and be neutral and make any money in this business. I don't think. Yeah, you want to, Eric is, is, is active on Twitter, uh, among other things, social media wise, and he could be followed at E Bischoff. Pretty simple. Uh, it's B I S C H O F F if you're spelling impaired. And it's, he's got a blue check mark. It's all cool. So it's good. Hey, the I, I was looking at this information that, that Conrad, Connie, those cheeks. Uh, Barnett would have loved him, man. He would have loved Conrad. Oh, can you imagine was... if,
0: Conrad, if, Conrad, if Conrad Thompson were working at, in WCW, let's <laughs> say in the mid-90s. Can I say 90, 90, 93, 94. Can you imagine Conrad, off, Conrad Thompson sitting in Barnett's office with Gary Jester talking about the dirt of the day?
1: Yeah, the three of them. <laughs> All were Barnett's wearing real Gucci loafers. Conrad's wearing uh, real Gucci loafers, and Jester's wearing a a a, a, a ripoff because he's he's and they conservative. Would, they, would have,
0: they would have been there from nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night sharing dirt. Oh, <laughs> my the justice, boy. my boy, the
1: just. I love the just. Uh, a lot of my friends when I hang around with the Justice, they say, "Well, you know he's gay." I said, "No, he's not. Well, he's hang, he hangs, hangs around the Barnett." So so that automatically makes him don't pass go thing here. He's he's gay because he he hangs out with Mister Barnett. He drives Mister Barnett every day because Barnett does has never had a driver's license, and so Gut Jester gives him a ride more often than not. And so what? So everybody thought Jester was just was a little bit light in the loafers. He was not, and he is not. You know what? Not, there's anything I, wrong with that.
0: I I like Jim Barnett. You know, I I I just found him. First of all, you know when you could get through the <clears throat> his penchant for rumors and innuendo as Conrad sayer yeah. or Bruce, which was a big part of his deal. You know he yeah. he loved that, um, and at his stage, you know at least when I worked with him in, in the nineties, you know he was coming towards the end of his career, and that that was his passion. You know he just loved it. He loved to know the dirt and the inside, yeah. and the politics Dude, is one of the reasons he was able to remain in WCW as long as he did, but. Taking that aside, which by the way, I enjoyed talking to him about that stuff because I just got a kick out of it, um I enjoyed him, you know he was a walking talking encyclopedia that had been places and done things and seen things in the wrestling industry that was well before my time that I found fascinating, and I had a lot of respect for for Jim in many in many respects
1: yeah he 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 made uh you think about the lay of the land unfortunately, it's even It was much worse then uh, than it is now in that respect, but you know, being a gay wrestling promoter, wasn't real kosher. You had too many chauvinistic alpha male, ex wrestler, term promoter, owner, booker, territory, whatever, uh, that, that didn't fly. Well, I mean, I've heard it. I've been around it. Of course, working with bill bombastic. Cowboy was was very outspoken in that regard, unfortunately uh but others it wasn't just a bill Watts thing it was the societal thing i always say that one reason gorgeous george got over not only could he work but he people were he was playing off people's homo- uh uh homophobia and i don't know if we even knew what homophobia was back then i don't know but uh barnett was a character and i loved his stories uh he was a cool dude but conrad i was looking here at this thing i was going to tell you all the vip tickets were the uh Starcast sold out in 15 minutes. Which is great. Congratulations on everybody for that. Uh the silver sold out within an hour. So now you wonder what's left. Uh they expect the gold to sell out very quickly, but general admission weekend passes are available for 59 bucks, folks. And that's uh 4 days of fun for $59. How the hell can you turn that down if you're a wrestling fan and you're going to be in Chicago land, Eric? That's a that really is a good deal. It's a good deal, but it's a, it's, it's, I'm still amazed, you know, and if you look at
0: some of the things that you read online, and again, I'm the first to acknowledge that just because you read it online doesn't mean it's true, but some of the reporting that I've heard, you know, over the past couple of months about WWE house show attendance being in the 3,000, 4,000 range, 5,000 range, I'm sure some do much better than others. Um, The fact that, you know, all in, you know, sold out 10,000 seats in about 30 minutes or less. And now the uh, StarCast portion of that event is selling out. I talked to Conrad literally about 12 hours after the tickets went on sale, and they were almost almost all sold out, 12, you know, 12 hours after they went on sale. Awesome. I think that is such a phenomenal statement as to the interest in independent wrestling in this country that uh, I, I'm, I find it exciting. I think it's just nothing but phenomenal opportunity for everybody involved
1: very healthy. It's very healthy for the business without, without a doubt. Uh, and I, uh, I applaud those guys, anybody else that has, that feels entrepreneurial like and can market a show. Let me ask you this question from your promoters days and executive days. Should these young lads be thinking about the show number two now, or is it something that you kind of wait and see how it all plays out, even though you know, it's sold out, but there's still, you gotta get the show done. And did you have a successful day? Should they be thinking show number two? And if so, if you were advising them, why not you tell them that next year or a year from now, or is it they do go earlier?
0: I think if it were me, I would definitely have my eye on number two and probably number three and number four in terms of when and in terms of where. Um, I would be really spending some time investigating my markets. Because some markets, as you know, Jim, better than I do. Some are better than others. Yeah, uh, Chicago is a great market. New York's a great market. A little expensive, so that might disqualify New York. But if you can find the right venues in the right markets where we know wrestling is hot, uh, where they know wrestling is hot, I would certainly be thinking about and maybe tentatively planning number two and number three because time goes by fast. And you want to capture your momentum. If If, if number one in Chicago is a huge hit and it goes off, as close to flawless as you know possible. There's always going to be something that somebody didn't expect or somebody's going to get hurt or no show because of weather. There's always something that you have no control over. But let's just say on a scale of one to 10, it hits a seven or an eight, which I think it probably can or will. Um, I would definitely want to ride that momentum and not let too much time go by. So that on number two, you're going in on a wave uh, and be ready for it. But I wouldn't get over committed. I would you know, I wouldn't get so committed that if things don't go well, you've got egg on your face, or you've got a challenge that you can't meet. So I would, yeah. I'd be tentatively planning um, and thinking ahead, but I wouldn't get too far over over my skis, and I'd focus as much on delivering the best show possible as as I could.
1: If you're promoting this show and it's your it's your call, how long is this live event? Three hours. How long would you ideally three hours max?
0: 3 hours. I'm a firm believer in leave them wanting more. Leave it hot, leave them wanting more. You know, don't entertain me too much um because you want people walking out the door not saying to each other, "Oh shit, they put on a 6-hour show." You want them walking out the door saying to each other or to themselves, "Man, I can't believe it. That was the most fun I've had at a wrestling event, you know, in 10 years." And sometimes the, the quantity, the emphasis on quantity can dilute the quality, my
1: agreed wholeheartedly. And I think this mistake that some promoters make is not understanding that axiom, uh, you should leave them wanting more. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, every, every great promoter. And I, I was lucky as you were, you be around a lot of real good wrestling people in our, our early years, you know, uh, Vern was a smart dude, uh, in a lot of things, and he was ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe time caught up with him just like it did Watts, but at the one time in their careers, both guys had something going for them, without question. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think a three hour show is, uh, about my limit. And I think that you leave wanting more is a good thing.
0: It is. And you know, if you think about a five or six hour show, and I don't know that anybody's planning that, but on a show that goes over three hours, you know, when does it start being repetitive? You know, no matter who's on the card, you're starting to see styles. You're starting to see possibly match layouts. Um, you're starting to see spots over and over and over again. And I think the best way to showcase, you know, a highly talented card like they have lined up is to make every one of them feel special and not dilute that, you know, special feeling or presentation with something that's too similar. And when you start stretching out over three, four, five, six hours, you're definitely going to be seeing a lot of the same in terms of style and presentation. And that's another, I think, risk in a long show.
1: I think the, I'm with you wholeheartedly. I I would, if those, those cats asked me, I'd say, hit it, get out of there at three in in three hours if you can. And you can, by the way, you can, uh, but I would make it as I would have some old school tendencies. I'd have time limits. I'd, have, I'd try to have a window in my mind that that backstage we're going to be out here in three hours. That's, pl- that's plenty of a show. Everybody gets plenty of their money's worth. And we're selling wrestling. We're not selling time. So go out and enter. Hey, you and I have both called matches where a five-minute match is better than anything on the card. and that was Maybe 15 or 20 minutes. It didn't need that it, much time. It
0: certainly can be. It, it certainly can be. And you know, again, this is me now sounding like, you know, back in the day. <laughs> I remember when I when I first came to to WCW, and even when I was in AWA, you know, I hear all these older guys. You know, Ole Anderson was you know Ole Anderson was in my in my ear probably more than anybody at the time because he was one of those guys like Bill Watts that was so entrenched in you know what wrestling was when when Oli was at his peak. And I think that's what happens to guys as they get older, myself included. I I, I I'm guilty, uh, not throwing stones, but you you tend to remember. You know, the peak of your career and the peak of your success and the things that you used to do back when it was hot for you, and you assume that that's what will work today. And that's not true. It's one of the reasons why, again, you know, putting the Bucks over and, and Cody again and, and guys like Kenny Omega and others is, yeah, that style, it's not my style. I mean, I it, you know, I love story. Give me, give me a three-act structure. Give me a story that makes me believe I'm always going to be a guy that is gonna judge what I like or dislike for me, personally, based on the quality of the story that a match represents. But I'm also smart enough to know that I'm not, I'm 63. I'm not 23, I'm not 25, I'm not 30. And people that are younger than me like a different presentation. Um, but I still think, to your point, you know, time limits. You know, a certain amount of rules, a certain amount of structure, not that you want to go back in time and try to produce wrestling like we did in the 70s right. and the 80s, but even the 90s. But if if you don't have some kind of structure... It don't um, work. It, it, all it, it's just a free-for-all, and there is no story. You've got then to, have if you want
1: to story as story possible. And, Eric, if you, want, if you want your disqualifications to have any significance and to mean something, be impactful, as they're designed to do, because a disqualification is uh, supposedly to take these two or these four people, whoever it is in that match, to the next place together. Return is kind of how I learned it, but it, I'm not saying it has to be that way 100% of the time, but more often than not, it is. Uh, I just think that uh, the having winners and losers is kind of important uh, because you really aren't, unless these guys have got plans for, like we talked about, a return sooner than later, there should be no the noise like this in the card. Well, he ain't working, you know, bastard. Nobody should be getting DQ'd or counted out. Have a winner, have a loser, and be willing to tell your story within the context of that casting. That's all I got to say about that.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing, going back to you know thinking about number two or number three, and again, I think one of the challenges that clearly, you know, Cody and the box and everybody involved have overcome is, you know, when you and I were writing and producing wrestling for television, whether it be for Turner or WWE or whoever, Vern even. Not that I was involved in the writing then, but, you know, the system then was to write and produce wrestling for a television audience that would drive people to the arena. So your television product was really, you know, the pages within the chapter, but the chapters either ended in, at a house show, in which case they probably continued, uh, or on a pay per view. And, you know, the, the, the all in. Guys, you know, that that team of people, they don't really have any backstory. Now, guys like Kenny and Cody and other people who have wrestled each other, they do. There is some backstory there. But for the most part, these guys are all coming in, from a storyline point of view, a little cold. Their profiles are very high. The audience knows who they are and are looking forward to seeing seeing them in action. But in terms of story, you know, they're starting from scratch. But if they think ahead just a little bit. And they think about their finishes, whether it be a DQ or whatever their finishes are, that could possibly give them the opportunity to have a story continue to number two and number three. That's another reason to at least keep an open mind about it and and to think towards it without overcommitting to it.
1: Yeah, these kids have done a good job. They're bold and they they got balls and they have vision. And I think that's cool. And the business needs more of that forward thinking. And and, uh, they're right in the wheelhouse. You know, they're the guys... Uh, they're, they're in the demographic, Eric, that a lot of old time promoters are even they were hiring bookers, you know, watch would bring in bookers, for example, but he thought he brought in guys he thought were topical or timely or had some good ideas at that time or coming off something successful. Everybody always coveted youth always. So I think that's the thing about the young bucks and Cody, they're young kids. And the fans are seeing them grow up and they're seeing them mature and they're seeing them live their dream and, and, and they're willing to attach to those fans and bring them along for the trip. So I, I'm all for this deal. I wish, you know, that's the weekend that Oklahoma opens the football season, uh, against Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin, which means nothing to most people. Uh, but the, uh, season opener, I feel compelled to be at, i live my life seemingly around this damn football world that I love to jock sniff, I guess but it is the way it is and I committed to it. And so I will be, uh, in, at, in Norman with 85,000, uh, thinking about you dudes.
0: So let me ask you, Jim, how, you know, you look at Cody and I don't talk to Cody. I, I had a conversation with Cody about two months ago and that was the first time I talked to him in a long, long time. But you know, you knew dusty as well or better than I did. Um, And Dusty was his own man. I mean Dusty was not always easy to get along with. Dusty Dusty was a very, very creative um individual. He was he was his own man. Mm
1: -hmm. And even
0: when he went along with stuff he didn't really agree with, he he was he never stopped thinking and creating. Um and I look at Cody and again I don't know Cody really well, obviously, but just seeing a guy at his age (laughs) who said, you know what, I, I'm i just not going to do it here anymore, meaning WWE. I don't like the way it's going. I don't feel good about it. I'm going to go off on my own. To, for a young man at his age to walk away from the largest platform in the world because he's independent enough and confident enough to chase his own dream, he reminds me very much of, of Dusty in that regard. Just being his own man. He's independent. I
1: love it. Couldn't agree more. Great way to shut her down here. Eric's uh... Podcast produced uh, for Westwood one, the mighty Westwood one, ladies and gents drops every Monday as he and Conrad chop up a variety of things. It is a smart, uh, audio show, uh, and it's entertaining, but it's full of substance. And so I, I encourage you to check it out. We all want the five-star rating. We all want you to subscribe for free at iTunes or now podcasts or Apple podcasts, whatever the hell it may be. But subscribe, and Eric and I will will put you on our Christmas card list. I promise. Well, something like that. Hey, you're, if you buy a T-shirt from your shop, you're making the phone call. That's the right. The big EV phone call for a T-shirt. I love that.
0: That's right. And all you need to do right now is just go to uh, ericbischoff.com. That's all. And you'll see, we'll, you'll see what we've got there. And you order a shirt, I make the call. And we'll just have all kinds of fun on the phone, just like we are right now
1: there you go buddy hey look i'm i'm uh always good to catch up with you i don't we don't get to see each other very often somewhere down the road our paths will cross i'm sure and we'll have a beverage and uh and we can knock everybody else in the business it'll be great
0: (laughs) i'm looking forward to it my friend all
1: right all right 83 weeks the the bish is right here ladies and gentlemen on uh, the mighty westwood one and eric seriously thanks a lot best of luck uh and uh in Chicago. Um, I wish I could be there, but man, it's it's going to be so awesome. And I'm I'm proud of you guys. So thank you a lot. And let's talk again.
0: I look forward to it, my friend. you be well.
1: Okay. Thanks. There's a lot of really intriguing candidates for slobber knocker of the week. I'd be remiss if I didn't start off by acknowledging and thanking all the men and women of the armed services who give their, have given their lives. Their, their, their careers to protect us. It's Memorial Day weekend in the United States, and that means an awful lot for many of us here in this country. And I'm saluting all of the military, no matter where you live, the police, the military, for doing great work to protect us, especially the, the uh, armed forces in the United States, who I'm uh, giving a special shout-out to this week, in the Knocker of the Week category. That's my first uh, runner-up. Also, you got to think about the Las Vegas Golden Knights. My friend Derek Stevens, who uh, owns the D Hotel, and the best steakhouse in Las Vegas is on the second floor of the D Hotel called Andy Amo's. I swear to goodness. And they—they they, it's an Italian steakhouse with the best meatballs in the world. Yes, I said the world. Uh, so the Vegas, and Derek's a big supporter of the, the Golden Knights, Uh, man, standing cup expansion team. You kidding? That's great booking. So congratulations to those dudes. I went to Oklahoma softball last weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three straight days, beautiful weather in Norman, uh, to watch the women win their regional. Didn't give up a run, three shutouts, two run rules. So they're in the, uh, super regionals this week, be on ESPN, uh, I'll, I'll be out of town in uh, West Virginia, as a matter of fact, doing some baseball, ironically. But I'll be catching up with the ladies of my of my school, and I'm proud of those those cats. Uh, you know, I got this uh, schoolboy crush on uh, Mariska Hargitay. I Twitter she even she even likes some of my tweets. <laughs> what do you think about that? I'm pretty feeling pretty good about myself right now. Uh, <clears throat> but her, uh, I had a crush on her mother too. So when I was a little kid jane mansfield uh so uh, but she's a phenomenal actress i've got hooked today on this on this uh, law and order suv i binge watch i might need an intervention but uh, i'm i'm happy that they are coming back for their 20th season in television that's like having a long-term relationship between wrestlers it's just rare that it lasts so i'm cool i'm, gra- I'm glad that she's doing well and and she can retweet me anytime she wants Mariska Hargitay, I'm too, am I too old to have a crush? I'm wondering that. I don't think so. Uh, so, nonetheless, that's where we are. With that, uh, and also smack the. You got to think the the people that negotiated this, this great deal with Fox, you know, uh, man, add a boy, add a girl, whatever. Both sides, they they knew what they wanted and they got it done. Primetime television on Big Fox, and I got to believe folks again. Don't know it's going to be true or not. We'll find out soon enough when well, the time is right. I'm guessing it's a live show. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the, the way you really make that happen and make it big is you, you have a live show and you kick ass every Friday night. And that's your destination. And I think that uh, then everybody involved gets, certainly will get their money's worth if they weren't already. But I guess the slobber knocker of the week has to go this week uh, to late Owen Hart. You know, Owen died... Uh, in an accident 19, 19 years ago this month. About this week. And uh, the King and I were at ringside. And these are kind of the stories we'll talk about at our JR and the King shows. Because I really haven't talked a lot about this. I didn't even, I didn't even watch the footage of uh, Owen's situation in Kansas City. Until we were finishing uh, Slobberknocker My Life in Wrestling. I had not watched it ever. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And... uh it was still it still haunts me to this very day, what happened because he was such a wonderful soul. Owen Hart was as good a human being as I've ever encountered in any walk of life, and especially in pro wrestling. Uh, and, and I can remember when they when he when he fell, and they took him out, and we we're trying to you know the show was you know moving along slow, everybody's kind of indecisive. What are we doing? How is he? Whatever. So uh, executive producer Kevin Dunn came in my headset while we were in a video package. He said, "JR, uh, we're going to do a two-shot of you and the King, and so you can give the report on Owen." And I hit the talk back button. I said, "Well, what is the report on Owen? Nobody told me." What so he said, he said, "You haven't been told? No." Well, he he didn't make it, JR. And you're back in ten, nine, eight. So I, I got ten seconds to process. The death of one of the nicest people I've ever met, and I don't remember what I said. Don't really know. Obviously didn't write nothing. You just said what you had to say, and uh, and I was just lucky I had got anything out. So uh, he was such a neat guy. The, the greatest river had a great sense of humor, a warm heart, and he would have been a walking. They, everybody with the day with a camera in their phone, he would have been a walking movie because Owen would hook up with fans and, and stay in their homes on the road occasionally to save money in a hotel. Nobody was safe when Owen was around. As far as the jokes are concerned, I remember on a, one of those cruises, the wrestling, wrestling cruises, Bruce cruise, Russell vessel, something, whatever the hell it was. I'm in the, I'm in the pool swim or waddling around. Uh, and he, I don't know. He's in the pool. He, he, he slips in, he goes underneath the water. He grabs my swimsuit. Down to the ankles, everybody got a big laugh out of it. I felt like that scene in Seinfeld where George Costanza gets caught with shrinkage. I had severe shrinkage uh, at sea; it was humiliating. Everybody got a laugh out of it, so I got a laugh out of it. Finally, after I got my ego back in check, and Owen loved it. He got me. You got me, son of a gun. You got me. So I, I really, I love the fact that I was. I got the WWE where i could really develop a nice relationship with owen and i and we went through a lot of things together you know brett leaving in 97 and you know a lot of things are just tearing at him emotionally but uh man he's steadfast and a good man and i hope that someday he's uh, uh, voted into the WWE hall of fame i think that's kind of a family thing this uh widow martha and i can understand her you know her feelings being so raw even probably at 19 years later so in any event uh it had to be. Could be anybody else. This week, the slobber of the week, our friend, the late Owen Hart.
0: It's slobber good. <laughs> no pet
1: raccoons are overdosing here. I love working on the Pet Coon Goofy Award, and my crack staff, uh, producer Ted and Raphael, they always give me suggestions on who they think should get the Pet Coon Goofy Award. And they're generally pretty much on target. There a lot of candidates this week. Uh, for example, the NCAA uh, has been in litigation for seven years on a college football scandal case. It's completely off the radar. People have forgotten about it, except if you're uh, former USC assistant football coach, Todd McNair. if I haven't forgot about it, but uh, he was, uh, he didn't get, he didn't win his lawsuit. Seven years, seven years. So it seems to me like the big brother NCAA tried to, Bust this guy down a little bit on his uh, seven-year legal tab. Think about that. It's just, I'm I'm not a big fan of long litigation because very seldom does it hurt or help the the, uh, the victim as much as we think. It damn sure helps the, the barristers. Those battling barristers are going to get their money, whether you do or you don't. Unless, of course, you are on consignment. I get all that. So, hey, I'm a lawyer. Don't you, don't piss on the lawyers, JR. Yeah, I won't. Unless I see you in a urinal. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool. I don't know if the pet could cool, but Steph Curry got, uh, scolded by his mama the other day for using profanity, uh, in his, uh, uh celebration and antics after game three of the, uh, in golden state. Now it's two and two when I record this, Houston fought back in it, and won a game in Oracle. Uh, but I, I applaud Mrs. Uh, Curry for keeping an eye on her tongue of her, of her, uh, highly skilled. Uh, son, good deal. Can the U.S. Soccer Federation be in any worse state than it is? If you're a soccer fan and you're a fan of American soccer, it's embarrassing that we we don't even make the World Cup now. Uh, you know, it, it's the first time in since 1986, 32 years, so it, we're we're shut out. It sucks. Our soccer program, we're so proud. And the Brandy Chastains, who got that stupid award at the San Jose Sports Hall of Fame that looked like Bronco Nagurski instead of Brandy Chastain. God almighty. Uh, whew. How's that work? But nonetheless, the soccer is in a shambles. It's embarrassing. They almost got the damn Petcoon Goofy Award. And so did uh, the Brandy Chastain thing I just mentioned. You know, she, got, she looked like a cross between Bronco Nagurski and Babe Ruth, her bust uh from the bay area sports hall of fame it's being redone i think that's cool and i saw a nice uh thing on twitter of course i'm at twitter at jrs BBQ, uh where arby's made a uh arby's made a uh, uh, bust out of Arby's sauce that was a hell of a lot better looking than the thing that the uh the sculptor did the sculptor that did this should be drug tested I think that guy's smoking some good ganja out there in California. The good stuff. No seeds, no stems. He's going for it. And there's something – something. an investigation needs to be made. And maybe another seven-year law case. No, I'm kidding. But I think that the, the Pet Coon Goofy Award it's a really close finish here. The National Football League. I'm a big fan of the National Football League. Uh, got this sunny package. Big. I, I'm a big user of the product. But this – national anthem thing is where my ass smooth out. Now, it was going to be a 15-yard penalty if you didn't kneel. Uh, if, you, if you didn't kneel, the uh, penalty. Then they're saying, well, you can stay in the uh, locker room or out of sight while the national anthem is being played. They're, all these issues are making, I think the guys that are protesting should be happy because now their issue, if you're calling Kaepernick, is becoming, the, uh, again, underscored and the focus again. I really like the NFL to be more about football and the, getting the fans a great experience, and and getting rid of this bullshit of the who's going to stand for the anthem, who's not. Hey, I'm a big believer. You honor the flag. Why the hell can't you honor the flag? Why can't you? Why can't you protest in another way that's not so offensive? Especially this weekend with Memorial Day. It just doesn't make any damn sense. So I will. I am going to award the Pepkin Goofy Award this week to the National Football League and their ongoing, lingering, like a boil on the ass of life, National Anthem Controversy. Sweet 10 music! Well, this week in wrestling certainly is monopolized by what we talked about earlier, the untimely passing of Owen Hart, uh, May 23rd, 1999. God, I'll never forget that. Kansas City will always be known to me for no matter what else I would ever do in my life, for that night and then the next night we had the raw is owen show from st louis very very moving very emotional gosh i hope i never have to go through anything like that again i know it's not about me it sounds self-serving and i apologize but damn it man i mean when you're the head of the talent roster you're signing these guys you're trying to manage them you you're, you have, you want a positive relationship with them and then something like that happens. It just it, it hits you a lot harder than maybe it would somebody else. That's all I'm saying. So that this whole week is a lot about that. No doubt about it. Also, on a little bit different note, do you remember the uh, uh, 22 years ago, a little longer, in your house pay-per-view, beware of the dog. Remember that? When the power went out in Florence, South Carolina. First of all, I got nothing against Florence, South Carolina, but what the hell were you doing there for a pay-per-view? But uh, in any event, a big thunderstorm rolled through, and it uh, put us out of business. And then two nights later, we had the, uh, the rest of the story, the rest of the show, uh, in North Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, it was an interesting thing. If I had told you, what did you the, that the Goldust beat The Undertaker in a casket match, would you think I'm crazy? It happened with the help of mankind uh and also the when the th- when the lights went out in georgia so to speak uh the austin salvio vega matches uh and in, in, was rolling along at a at caribbean strap match i hate those damn strap matches i got booked in more strap matches than the law should allow because it was just i think people like to see my get my fat ass whipped like a government mule ladies and gentlemen the government mule so anyway uh Austin, that was a big, big thing, because Austin didn't want a manager. The stipulation was if he lost to Savio, uh, then Austin would lose his manager, the million-dollar man. That's what happened, and the rest is pretty much history. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, on May 27, 1996, uh, 22 years ago, the unofficial start of the Monday Night Wars— Scott Hall, rise at WCW Money Nitro in Macon, Georgia, declaring war. Uh, and I thought that was a started an early interesting time in our business. No doubt about that. Uh, the wrestling war of, and you heard, heard more about that from, from Eric. Uh, they, they did a hell of a job. 83 weeks in a row, we got our ass fanked. Here's what you got to keep doing as a leader, a mentor. Keep your, keep your team motivated. This ain't going to last forever. We're producing good television. They're hot, they're timely, and they're taking a lot of our established stars and reincorporating them into the scenario, into the storylines, and doing it very, very effectively. Ain't going to last forever. They're getting older, we're getting younger. And you see how that all worked out. Uh, Happy birthdays this week. Now, this is a very unique group of birthday boys and girls. A lot of uh, third, second, third-generation kids. For example, Bray Wyatt, third-generation star, 31. Roman Reigns, 34 years old. I get booze. For, I'm going to get booze for missing Roman Reigns on this podcast. If I am, you can kiss my Oklahoma backside. I like him. I'm not, I'm not going to overthink the Roman Reigns scenario. The fans are either going to like him or they're not going to like him, but they damn sure have an opinion. And when they go silent, it's when he got something to worry about until then, let it roll. Let it roll. Uh, Another second-generation star, Alberto El Patron, 41 years old, uh, third generation wrestler, brother of Bray Wyatt, Bo Dallas will turn 28 on uh, May 25th, second generation star Natalia. One of my favorites of all time. What a sweetheart. I think she'll have Natalia should have a job in WWE forever as a house mother, a trainer, a coach, a broadcaster, whatever. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to get her out of the ring, but she has a lot of skill sets, and I think she's a valuable member of the team. She sure as hell would be on my team if I had a territory. So happy birthday, Natty. 36 years old. Looks like she's 19. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, oh Eric's – you know, I didn't mention this to Eric's in his in – his, I don't think we mentioned this in his interview. Eric's uh, turning 63 on the 27th a Sunday. 63. Uh, my God, he has great hair. Uh, Seth Rollins, 32. Rollins is very hot right now. He's getting there. And when you can bracket down the promotional force-feeding a, a, a little bit, the audience has, can sit back and relax and absorb the uh, personality, the character, the individual. And I think that's what we're seeing with Seth Rollins. He's not being force-fed, and it's a natural, organic, way of evolving this character and he's a hell of an athlete reminds me a lot of Shawn michaels in certain movesets and in certain sequences very athletic good kid uh jeremy borash jb now with nxt is 44 years old uh he's one of the most eligible bachelors in all of wrestling jeremy borash 44 years of age jb has hosted a couple of our uh our my shows on the road he's a hell of a mc uh so but i'm happy he's got a Got a great gig there with NXT and uh, very valuable in that deal. He called me the other day, or texted me the other day, and he just was leaving to fly into Oklahoma City, I guess, I think from Dallas because he had been in London. So he comes from London to Oklahoma City. Yeah, you can do that. And uh, for the NXT shows uh, last weekend, Thursday it was, it was Oklahoma City. Uh, and I had a previous engagement. I didn't get to go, but I would like to have gone. Uh, but anyway, JV's 44. You're a good man, J.B., and uh, also Hornswoggle, thirty-two. I saw a great pictures of Horny the other day with his son. They were at Disney World. That was pretty cool. Steve Carino. He Steve is a former ECW star. You know that. He's a producer for NXT. And I probably jacked him around inadvertently because I had a chance to hire Steve one time, and I maybe I think the, he could probably tell the story better than I. I didn't realize he was as good as he was. And the problem I had that was put in my mind and preconditioned me a little bit. And I let it precondition me was that he looked too much like Sean Waltman back in that day. And I don't, I, at the, at the, 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 I can't figure out what the hell I was thinking. Steve Carino was a, was a hell of a talent in the ring and he's a real good coach. And I'm glad he's at NXT. That's, you know, these kids are getting uh, a good, uh, good background, fundamentals and stuff like that. And also, and finally, uh, good kid. A uh, good friend of my family, uh, Jan, when we were living in Connecticut, talking about Pete Gass, the, you know, the Mean Street Posse. Pete's got a great book. Uh, I read it. I encourage it. Check it out. Uh, look, look it up. Uh, and uh, good good stuff, good kid. And he overachieved. Uh, they got put in a very unique situation that did the posse, and they, they came out on the other side whole. And so that'll do it for uh, happy birthdays this week. A lot of second and third-generation folks celebrating, and uh, we wish them all a very happy day. Look at this! One of the fun parts of our new show here on Westwood One. Remember, we drop every Wednesday, uh, or escape every Wednesday, uh, wherever you hear podcasts. And for those of you that ask me about Spotify, it's being addressed. We will eventually be on Spotify, I'm sure. Uh, but until then, it's, it's available in about a, a thousand other platforms wherever you hear your podcasts uh Apple Podcast, you leave us there, the five star ratings. We'd love that. We thank you so much for that. It is a big deal. It may sound mundane to you. I don't take my time to do that. It takes you about a minute. But those five star ratings are big time business for us. So uh keep that in mind. And uh but the mailbag is kind of a fun thing because I get to hear what you guys are thinking. Uh uh producer Ted does a good job of going through all your uh your emails that you can send me uh, at the Jim Ross report at gmail.com that simple, the Jim Ross report at gmail.com questions, comments, thoughts, uh, requests, guest requests, whatever you think, uh, let us know. I want this show to be more about you guys than it was, uh, in my previous gener- in my previous, uh, incarnation, I want to be more fan friendly. I want to be more interactive. Uh, that's really important to me. And so, uh, use that, the Jim Ross report at gmail.com as a, uh, outlet for your requests, suggestions, and questions. Okay. Uh, Ryan O'Leary is in Toronto. Hi, Jim. Love the podcast, especially the new segments. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, I've been listening since uh, episode one on the old podcast and it's a must listen to me for my, on my way to work. Okay, good. Why do you think that pro wrestling today and not just WWE are afraid to use a time limit draw as a viable ending to a match? Well, I got some thoughts on that, Ryan, obviously. Uh, the many promotions don't even use time limits. So if you just have a one, this match is one fall and there's nothing after that. How the hell do you have a time limit draw? There's no time limit. There's no, there's no timing mechanism. I'm a big believer in time limits. And back in the day when they'd have a, a match on T V where it's a ten minute time limit, the way that I was instructed to sell that was these wrestlers know it's a ten minute time limit. They're gonna they're gonna quicken their pace. They know they've only got ten minutes to win or lose. And so uh expect this match to be kind of fast paced, blah, blah, blah. Uh so that's I think that's the deal. Uh and I think that that the the main reason is that the promoters don't have the confidence that the attention span of today's viewer will tolerate a time limit draw. I disagree with that. If the presentation is on the money, the wrestlers are telling a great story that's logical and believable. A time limit draw will work just as effectively today as it ever has. And that's my two cents there. Uh, from Louis Grunch. Uh Oh, Louis is going to be in Charleston. Look forward to seeing you in Charleston, West Virginia this weekend. Please let me know if I can bring you anything to make your stay here more pleasant. Well, I got a lot of things I can bring me, but uh, I probably couldn't get it back on the plane. Uh, no, I'm good, Lewis. I uh, hope to see you there. WestVirginiaPower.com has your tickets and all the info uh, this weekend, Saturday night, uh, big time in, in Charleston. I'm going to throw out a first pitch. I may even break out my knuckleball. But again, ladies and gentlemen, I got to figure out, should I wear the cup? Do I need the cup? Feedback requested. From Anthony in Nollins. that be New Orleans, and so some of you others. I uh, love the podcast. Thank you, sir. Question Cornette, during his podcast, several times had talked about the rioting the fans used to do in the territory days. Are there a lot of that? So you wonder how we don't, do we see that? Have I seen it? Have I been a party to it? Absolutely. I've been in riots where I was refereeing. I've seen uh, things get out of hand when I was at ringside announcing because it got most of it spilled on me. And I didn't like that. Uh, especially so beer, chief ass beer in a wrestling arena is a, is a recipe for disaster. So, uh, I just think that, uh, I just think that quite frankly, the, uh, the the rioting is was a, was a byproduct of villains that people legitimately wanted to see get beat up, and so I mean you never heard of a riot in a in a babyface match, so it's all centered around the villain. And I am of the of the mindset, and reluctantly say this that today's villains, many of them had rather be cool than be a villain, and there is a hell of a big difference. To be cool, you don't get riots. man. that's what they want. But if you want to be a villain and get people to pay money to come see you get your ass whipped, you can't be cool. So that's, that's one theory on that deal. But thanks for the question there, Anthony in New Orleans. <clears throat> Last time I was in New Orleans, I had, what did I have? Drago's charbroiled oysters. God almighty. Good Lord of mercy. I loved them. Uh, except my, my uh, entonologist didn't like them so much. I think my blood sugar spiked. Oh, well, such is life. Chris is in London. Uh, What pieces of the puzzle need to be in place for a small wrestling company to rival the success of WWE? Well, Chris, I hate to be a naysayer. I don't know that it's possible, uh, realistically possible, for any company to be as big or to rival WWE. Too big a head start. Uh, because the two things that you must have in place to have a successful wrestling promotion are talent and television. If you don't produce a, your own TV show, create, create your own content, you're way behind, uh, and you're never going to be but a, a, a little indie running a show here or there and yon. you got to have TV, and you got to have talent that you can build and, that hopefully are somewhat new and aren't retreads. But to be bigger than a WWE uh, Chris in London. Sorry, buddy. Probably not going to happen. And, hope, hey, I hope you come see me when we're in. Uh, I may be in London uh, in July for the London Comic Con. We're talking about that. I'd like to hope that hope that pans out. So in any event, Chris, I don't mean to be a naysayer. Just trying to tell you the truth. I have a habit of that. Dave in South Carolina wants to know, uh, I love you hearing week to week on the podcast. Will you explain what the gorilla position is? The gorilla position is... The last stop that a talent a performer takes before uh, leaving the backstage area and coming out on the stage and walking down the ramp. So it's a, it's a make-ready area. It's the last stop before you get in front of the people. And because Gorilla Monsoon sat there for all those years directing traffic, getting talent into place when they should be, uh, you know, being the straw boss, so to speak, it's called the Gorilla Position in a, in a loving way. So that's what the Gorilla Position is. Uh, Kevin in Albany. That's where Raw was Monday night. As I type this uh, WWE stock is above $50. I know. Daddy like. Uh, When you work with WWE when they usually went public when they originally went public or when you left the company full time did you ever think the stock price would grow this high? I'd love to tell you I did but I didn't. I thought it was going to be a $35 $40 stock. I, I underestimated that, but look, I ain't no—I don't have no uh, MBA, Master's of Business Administration. Uh, I'm very blessed. I got a lot of stock when we went public, thanks to the generosity of the McMahon family. Uh, thanks to my financial planner, I kept a lot of it. I own a lot of it now at around twenty-two dollars. So you know, I'm in—I'm I'm looking great there. I just don't know what to do with it right now. So I got to figure that out. But I never—I never thought it'd be that high. And I, now that. Now, with this, uh, when the USA deals announced for RAW, when now the uh, money is on the table for Fox, I, I can see the stock going even higher. I think it's a good value, quite frankly. Uh, from Ray Maker, Ray Maker, if I ever got married, would you call my wedding? I may even have to give one of the in-laws a chair shot. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Ray Maker, if you get hitched, you get back to me, and we we'll, we'll look at that opportunity. Hell, who knows? I don't know where you live, but uh, I've done crazier things and been paid less. And uh, that's the mailbag for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I do appreciate all the suggestions. Remember, it's the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. Questions, comments, suggestions, guest requests, whatever it may be. That's your link. And uh, producer Ted's going to take good care of you. And that's the mailbag for this week. <laughs> You hear me incessantly, uh, talk about five-star ratings, uh, comments, feedback. Well, i tell you that, uh, the five-star reviews, we now have 662 five-star reviews. Uh, so it's so far we're not, we're just getting started here. Uh, Jared ORR says great show, so much fun in each episode from one of the very greatest minds in the business. That's from my from my cousin Jeff Jarrett. No kidding. Uh, well, thank you. Appreciate that. Another five star comment was Jim. You are a great voice to have along on my many road trips up and down California. You know, I was born in California, Fort Bragg, Mendocino County, and uh, I have been back there since I left in the fourth grade. I really want that's one of my bucket lists to make a little trip through Northern California and go back to where I was born in Fort Bragg. Uh, I went to. I also went to school in Santa Rosa, so I'm a native Californian. How about that? And now the stories are out. So here's John's question in California: uh, uh, He'd love to hear a show dedicated to the UWF. Hey, we can do that. We can do that. I'm, uh, you know, there's. I got a lot of guys that can talk about UWF, and we'll do that. No doubt about it. Uh, I like it. Good idea. And that's what you send to the at gmail.com dot type stuff too. Tiny GPS says, thank you for your critiquing of today's product. I really enjoy your wisdom and insight into the sport. Excuse me, wrestling. Yeah, it is wrestling. Uh, Silver Ghost 22 says, Jim Ross was the voice of my childhood, and now he's the voice of my adulthood. Thank you so much, sir. Love hearing you every week again, and uh, keep up the amazing work. I shall try. No doubt about that. So remember, the five-star ratings – Leave them. Maybe get to get some airtime here, uh, but it's really important for us as far as uh, ad revenues and all this good stuff to help sell our show. Hey, by the way, I had some meetings. You know, I had a meeting uh, this week with uh, Omaha Steaks, and I've been a user, I've been a, a customer of Omaha Steaks for years. I mean, years. It was. It, was, it been. It has been one of my go-to's for gifts because uh, most people, unless they're vegan. Uh, love the the, the the steak packages. So we hope to have something really big to talk about next week. One of the greatest offers, if, they, if it all goes through, and I think it will, uh, we're going to have some great things to talk about with uh, Omaha Steaks here coming up very, very soon. Uh, but in any event, uh, I do appreciate the ratings, and the five-star ra- ratings are really important to us. And, you know, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And, again, that five-star rating is a pretty key deal. Uh, and also – I've I'd, I'd, I'd done this on my phone, so if you're ever around me and you want to see if I'm t- lying to you, I have the, uh, 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 the Westwood One podcast app. Very, very handy. You can find everything, 83 Weeks, uh, 12360 with X-Pac, uh, Chris Jericho, Talk is Jericho, here on the, on the Mighty Westwood One, OP Radio, and much more. So that uh, Westwood One app is a keeper. It's free. price is right. Get it, will you? It's a good deal for you. Uh, so there's that. And remember, uh, we got some, some big announcements next week. Some exciting things are happening in our, on our for our show and some other things. Uh, I hope to have more news on uh, J.R. and the King shows. The one in Nashville is doing well. The one in Rosemont selling well at thezanys.com. But for this weekend, uh, I'll be flying to Charleston, West Virginia, on Friday for the big event there on Saturday with the West Virginia Power Baseball Team. Hope you'll join us. For information, go to wvpower.com. So my thanks to Eric Bischoff, my thanks to you uh, for downloading and joining us this week. Please tell a friend about our show. We'll be back here next week. Remember, a new show escapes every Wednesday from the mighty Westwood one. So until next week, I'll be right back here with you. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying thank you very much for being with us. Remember, folks, seriously now, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. Do something nice for somebody, mentor somebody that needs it, and you'll feel so much better about yourself. So until next Wednesday, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Westwood One Podcast Network. The Raven Effect.
0: So why do people want to ref? Like UFC, basketball. Like pro wrestling I can kind of get. You are an integral part of it. But other than yelling at little kids to go, Hey, you, go kick that ball. You're out of bounds or whatever. Like I don't get why you'd really want to like say ref UFC. The Raven Effect. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free from the Westwood One Podcast Network.